a scripture reading from the book of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said in Hebrew, Rabuni. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. A word, word of, of God, God that, that is, is still, still speaking. speaking. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. No matter how many times I have read or heard this Easter gospel proclaimed, there are constantly new surprises to find. The line that catches me this year is, supposing him to be the gardener, why on earth would Mary Magdalene mistake her friend, her mentor, teacher, her rabbi, Jesus, to be the gardener? Was her eyesight blinded by the two angels that were sitting where Christ's body had been? Or is she closer to the truth than we might realize, supposing him to be the gardener? Maybe this gardener looks like he knows something about hope, writes the author Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie, hope that Mary desperately needs. They, got, they go on to explain. A gardener knows the kind of hope it takes to sow a seed in the ground, 
to cover it with manure, to bury it in the cold winter dirt, surrounded by naked trees, to leave it be for months, trusting that with a magic amount of water, air, and time, something new will be born out of a single seed. A seed reaches its potential only when it is buried. When things look most lost, most dark, most covered, most long gone, most hopeless, that's when the seed is undergoing its most important change. Seeds must be buried, they write, but some even need more drastic circumstances to allow for new life to burst through the thick seed coat. Some need to be exposed to almost freezing temperatures before they will germinate. Sequoia seeds germinate only when burned. Some seeds, when ballooning, ballooned with water, finally burst open. Some, when they are kept in the pitch black for a long time, hard-shelled seeds must be scarred, cracked, or manually broken open. Some need to be eaten by animals and... <clears throat> released. And still others must sit dormant for several years before something mysterious triggers them to sprout. Seeds. Maybe it only makes sense then that at the empty tomb, Mary would suppose him, the resurrected Christ, the seed of God, the one who'd come through his own extreme suffering, death, and burial to be the gardener. He had just lived, died, and resurrected that very truth of hope in the face of death, and new life coming out of the apparently barren and God-forsaken ground. What seeds of hope are you carrying today? Have you gathered here with tender and tested memories of church in years past? Consider the faith and the practices that call us together on this Easter morning, the hymns, scripture, rituals, and prayers that have sustained us. We receive all these as seeds from others who have faithfully passed them down, the witness of resurrection that extends back from one heart to another, all the way back through time and space to Mary Magdalene, the first messenger to announce Christ's resurrection. Here we seek to practice our faith in flourishing communities of justice, service, and loving compassion in the name of Christ. Along the way, we pass further seeds of faith on to other communities and generations, hoping they will amend what has been wrong and extend what has been right. Yet perhaps right now, we can only see how the seeds of faith are being tested or crushed or broken open. It's hard to believe the seed of resurrection life still has hope when causes of despair seem so numerous, extending from catastrophic war abroad to poverty in our own communities. Can good seed germinate, we might wonder, in the face 
of cynical laws that target transgender youth for political gain or that limit the freedom of women over their own bodies. When unarmed people are shot simply for being the beautiful black color that is the image of God, Conflict boils for decades without resolution in Palestine when the planet warms dangerously because of human inaction. Has the seed of faith been lost? When younger generations show up less often in worship, when church buildings reach the end of their useful lives, and when congregations look to one another for support they used to have on their own. Yes, we know something of the grief, the confusion, and dismay that filled Mary's heart, supposing Jesus to be the gardener, and then learning what a good gardener he is. Because in the right hands, and under the right conditions, even long ago forgotten seeds have a mysterious, astonishing power. Leah Penniman is a co-founder of Soul Fire Farm in Massachusetts, which focuses on reconnecting black, indigenous, and people of color communities with the land through regenerative farming practices and indigenous wisdom. Several years ago, I heard her tell a remarkable story about how African ancestors braided the stems and seeds of local plants into the hair of captured slaves before they were forced onto transatlantic slave ships. She says, our ancestral great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers gathered up their seeds, braided them into their hair as insurance for the future because they believed we would exist. These many generations later, Soulfire Farm is now doing urban farming in Worcester, Massachusetts, where heavy industry for decades has left the soil badly polluted. One of those plants that was braided into hair and brought over centuries ago from Africa is called pelargonium, or scented geranium. And it turns out that this flower has a superpower which is that it accumulates lead and other heavy metals into its leaves in a way that cleanses the soil. Penniman describes how they ended up using the pelargonium all over the city to do phytoremediation, plant fixing, and started to pull the lead out of the soil and rehabilitate the earth. Isn't it remarkable what seeds can do in the hands of good gardeners? After describing how she sometimes gets discouraged and feels beaten down in the very hard work of restorative practices and justice, Leah Penniman goes on, I've told this story of our ancestors making this audacious decision to braid seeds into their hair before being forced into the bowels of slave ships. And if they could face that and decide to save some seed for us, believing that they would have descendants, believing that we would need to inherit this seed, who am I to give up on my descendants, no matter how hard things feel? My ancestral grandmothers have been in my dreams braiding seeds. 
And that has really fortified me when I get overwhelmed and touch despair and worry. Just keep passing those seeds down. That's our duty, she says. The living Christ, whom Mary recognizes as a gardener at the resurrection, bears witness to the wisdom and value of seeds faithfully passed down. And might it be that even when all evidence would suggest the opposite, the seeds of our ancestors are finding their fruit through us right here and now. I'm thinking of the faithful decisions over a century ago by which Linden Hills Congregational Church spun off and supported a wee Sunday school that then grew to become Morningside Congregational, then Edina Morningside Church. And how this Edina Morningside Church has now been in years-long partnerships with Linden Hills UCC, forming faith together in confirmation and youth groups, or visiting and supporting our mission partners at Daylight Center and School in Kenya. The seeds of these intertwining relationships over all the years have brought us together in recent months to share office space, share worship, and share Sunday school again. Then last Sunday, the congregation of Linden Hills voted unanimously to seek a merger with Edina Morningside, meaning more may be possible in our shared future together. All these decisions along the way have been sacred seeds, weaving us together in paths toward new life that none of us can fully recognize now. The decisions before our congregations in the coming months are further seeds, and who's to say what they will grow into also? None of this has been easy, and nor will be what comes next, I'm sure. It will be imperfect, but we act with faith that God will make our efforts good enough. If you've been around very long at all, you know that to be church and to bear hope in these days can be a challenge. Yet, this is the precious seed we have inherited, a good enough faith that carries us from moment to moment that will grow in unforeseen ways into just what we need when the time is right. Christ will garden through the seeds we have now. And from all the conditions challenging and otherwise in which they're planted, growing an abundant Easter transformation that we cannot imagine on our own. By faith, then, we see with Mary Magdalene that Christ is the gardener after all. Maybe this is what it means to be an Easter person, to see Christ and think, gardener. Not as a mistaken identity, but a prophetic one. The seed in the ground, the body in the tomb, this is a picture of defiant hope. As Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie conclude, this gardener knows the hope it takes. To believe that through the death, the freezing, the fire, the floods, the darkness, the crushing, the consumption, the waiting, even there, new life can be born. This is the radical moment of new life, bursting forth from seeming death. 
May God make it so now as on that first Easter morning. And may the seeds we inherit and pass on be put to good use in God's resurrection. Alleluia. Amen.